0: This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming
1: movies, TV series,
0: and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. And hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham, and with me today, of course, is the very absolutely fantastic Jojo, to whom I said, Hello, Jojo. <laughs> Jojo, how you doing?
1: I'm okay. A, a really good friend of mine just hurt my feelings really badly but,
0: <laughs> but it's okay. I'll, I'll,
1: I'll get over
0: it. Man, I hope I hope that wasn't that Graham, <laughs> you know, that yeah, guy. <laughs> I, you know, I
1: just I don't like to
0: name names, so <laughs> he who shall not be named. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But you know, I kid you Joe, I kid you <laughs> yeah that feeling of abandonment, you know it takes about a year to shake off, so my Ooh. recollection is that you moved you moved out west in August So maybe by 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 my birthday, I should be out right, by your birthday you know? Know? you'll be you'll be over it, you'll forgotten who I am, no forgotten <laughs> I'd be like I'll be like, yeah, I guess I can live with it now, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, That's how it Oh goes. boy. <laughs> well, well, well. It's good to see you wearing pants today, Jojo. Yeah, course. I am wearing pants, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I do make the effort to normally wear pants, although
0: our audience doesn't know that. And you probably don't know that either, but I do. <laughs> you know, after the pandemic, you know, with all of the Zoom calls and stuff, Donald Ducking became a thing.
1: Uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really did.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I,
1: just, <laughs> I, I know that, like, home is where you take your pants off or whatever, but it's just never been my thing. I've always needed... I mean, like, I don't want to wear jeans around the house, but, like, I'm I'm going to wear pants.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you know, like, I don't know. The whole, you know, be naked at home thing, I, I don't see the point of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, people are like, oh, I like to cook naked. Who does that, you stupid asshole? <laughs> oh, my Lord,
1: can you imagine frying chicken naked?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and, and by can't... the way, if you tell me that, there's a chance that I'll never eat anything you cook. You know? <laughs> then there's that. Then there's <laughs> that. Yes. You sweaty balls, you say, all over the food. <laughs> Fuck off, man.
1: <laughs> oh, that's when you find the kind of hair in your food you really don't want to find in your hair.
0: In your food. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, Duh. yeah. No, thanks. All right. I don't know how we got to this point. Though. I don't know, like...
1: know. It was organic. <laughs>
0: We have a podcast to do, and here's what we are. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, forgive us, folks, but we hope you're all doing okay today because we have a fantastic episode for you. A point of warning is that in order for you to know what we're talking about, you're probably going to have to get Box, Uh because, yes. you know, this is this is an exclusive one, if you will. Yes. And by the way... Still, we don't get paid by Breedbox. We don't yet. get paid by any, <laughs> nobody, any <I> mean, of the. <laughs> nobody pays us. No, we no, nobody pays us. Yes. Yeah. so It's our volunteer pay. Yeah. We just talk about, we like shit, mm-hmm. we watch it, and we talk about them. So if that's one of the things that you doubted and was, that was stopping you from going to buy me a coffee and making a contribution to the show, let me reassure you. Netflix... BritBox, Amazon Prime, Hulu, no streaming platform. We're not affiliated with anybody. We don't get paid for any of this. We watch stuff. We like it. We talk about it. Isn't it, George?
1: That's it. That's it, 100%. Nobody pays us to, to talk about anything or to uh, give anything a good review or a bad review or anything like that. So we just, we just watch what we watch. Yeah, that's that being said, you BritBox is fantastic and you should buy it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's only <laughs> about five ninety nine to add as a channel to your Amazon Prime account. So Yeah, it opens up uh, so much content. So much content. My goodness. And, and you know what? Like I've been watching stuff that you can't find on Netflix, you can't find anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And when I was in England the other day, some of the stuff that I, I've been watching here are oh no no longer airing in England so if you're looking for them you won't, you won't even find them yeah you know so yeah. if the if the season came out and it hit you know the UK in about a month it hits Britbox most likely you won't be able to find it to, to stream in in the UK yeah. unless you get Britbox but Brit, Britbox is exclusively our thing you know so with that said Jojo I think it's time to ask the question of the day, a question that we normally like asking. I like asking you, because it, it sort of like puts you in a bind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Jojo, what did you watch this week? And I'm
1: actually prepared this time. It's amazing. Yay,
0: she is. Yo, oh, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You are prepared for that one, oh, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the round of applause. I deserve it.
0: It (laughs) It's a lot of really hard
1: work for me to get that one little brain cell to work. So
0: (laughs) It has a lot of
1: work to do, so poor little thing. Oh, boy. You actually talked about it a little tiny bit last week, but uh, I am at the moment caught up on Moon Knight. And I am surprised by how much I enjoy it and also how much I don't enjoy it at the same time. What
0: did I tell you? <laughs> it's, it's, it's
1: really interesting, though, because Oscar Isaacs is, is great in it. But every time he becomes Stephen Grant, the, the British one, all I hear and see is Martin Freeman. And then my brain yes. is like... I wish it was Martin Freeman in this part. Absolutely yes. nothing against Oscar Isaacs, but wouldn't it be fabulous to have Martin Freeman as this character?
0: Yes, yes. You know what, Like I, never, <laughs> I could never put a person to the voice But it certainly didn't sound like Oscar Isaac doing a British accent. It did sound like a a native British person speaking in in, in an actor, by the way, an actor that we all know. So you have actually gotten it like, who the fuck does he sound like? There you go, George. That's exactly right. (laughs) That's exactly right.
1: But yeah, every time, every single time he becomes him, I'm like, it needs to be Martin Freeman. It needs to be Martin Freeman. I want Martin Freeman in this part. Yeah. And again, disrespect to Oscar Isaacs, he's fantastic. He's fabulous. And I think he's great as Mark, but but I don't know. When he's when he's Stephen Grant, I wanted it to be Martin Freeman, and I know that wouldn't work. But also, wouldn't it be great to have Martin Freeman be Mark?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like so, Martin, Martin Freeman is the kind of guy that can be whatever the fuck he wants to be. Yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> the so kind I, of guy.
1: I love Oscar Isaacs but this I want I want Martin Freeman in this part
0: yeah I know he's very well invested in this show and as you said as Mark he's pretty good he's fantastic yeah and I have a certain love for the character of of Stephen too you know because yes. there's a before even Mark makes an appearance it's like an episode and a half of you getting to know Stephen.
1: Yes, you know. we know more about Stephen and have come to I think to care for more about Stephen than we do Mark at all. I don't know if Mark's coming, you know, eventually if we're going to get to know him or if it's yeah, Stephen,
0: but it's just, you know, but but I I like I like what you how how you put it there cuz it could it could be a completely different person. On the other hand, it says a lot as an actor for Oscar Isaac, who is a dude who, half Guatemalan, half uh, Cuban, American-born, to manipulate accents so perfectly well, and you you knew I was gonna go there because yes, that's my thing. You know, yes,
1: yes, uh, I kn- I knew that if it, if it was bad, that that would be the first thing. And I'm, but personally, and I'm I'm obviously don't have your ear, but I'm like, he's really good. Like like it sounds like. Like Martin Freeman, <laughs> like yeah. the same accent and that kind of thing. So to me, he's he sounds like a natural born Englishman. And I actually looked it up afterwards because I wasn't I mean, I'm familiar with his work, but I don't really know much about him. And I was like, is he actually British? And I missed it because I thought he was
0: American, but he, So anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My my boy he, you know, he's he's done a fantastic job with with yeah. these. Yeah, so so how do you like it in, in overall? They had
1: completely lost me in this most recent episode until they it stopped being like a knockoff tomb raider not done very well <laughs> and they dropped into a psych ward. Then they've got they've got me back again because I'm like, okay, now I'm interested again.
0: Well, I haven't seen this week's episode. So I just but... wrote it for you. <laughs> no no <laughs> no not at all you don't believe in spoilers so. yeah you're good. good you're good no. no 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 i'm good man you know but my son has been watching it and i think the first thing he told me is that they need better effects special effects for this for this show because it, it looks cheap and i'm like who the fuck do you know that like who who are you some kind of like just-wedding or some shit like yeah. I shouldn't well be talking about films like he's some kind of filmmaker and shit. I'm like, <laughs> fuck off, you 21 year old shite. <laughs> uh, but when you look at it, he's right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree with him because, especially with this being a Disney production, right? So there's yeah. not, there should be plenty of money that was thrown at the special effects on this, the CGI, whatever. And um, yeah, there's parts of it where it's just like, ew, like, that looks bad. Like, that looks, like, bad.
0: Yeah, It's it's quite possible they've, they've spent all the money on WandaVision.
1: That's true. That is true.
0: It, it might have been like,
1: you, you know, we have, like, um, 15 bucks left in the budget, so Moon Knight, here, here you go. That and Loki, yeah. because Loki, Loki yeah. I just recently binged and finished,
0: and the production Yo. values on that are... Yeah. Wow. And, and those were the, the first two shows, right? Like it was. Yes. No, no, no. The third. I think Loki was the third. So it I was. I think you're right. WandaVision, yeah. Captain America.
1: And yeah.
0: And then Loki. Yeah. So it looks like they spent all the money on that. And they would be like, well, that Moon Knight so Here's oh, 15 yeah, bucks.
1: That's, that's right. We had, We had another show, didn't we? Yeah. Shit.
0: <laughs> Let's make this one work.
1: Everybody turn out your pockets. Let's see if we got any change.
0: <laughs> this is awesome, Jojo. <laughs> right. Um, so what did I watch this week? What did you uh, watch this week, Graham? So I've been sort of like re-binge watching a lot of the same things. But one of my favorite little shows that I discovered, by the way, on BritBox, right at the height of the pandemic, I, I discovered it. It had like three three seasons and I binge watched the entire thing. I loved it, loved it, loved it. It's called Shakespeare and Hathaway. And Shakespeare and Hathaway is by um, Luella Shakespeare, the actress who played Luella Shakespeare. Her name is Jo Joyner and she was in EastEnders for a while and she's been in a couple of things. And Mark Benton, who actually more recently was in the movie Cyrano. Mark Benton is Hathaway, Frank Hathaway. And I love Mark Benton. I've always loved Mark Benton because he's like, you know, the fluffy Gordito <laughs> Gordito <laughs> is like little fat guy in, in Spanish. Like he's like a very lovable fluffy guy. And his humor is so Midlands England, like you know, his accent and, and the way he says things is so funny, but in a in a very innocent way, right? Mm-hmm. And Joe Joyner, whom I didn't know had like a comedic vein into her, uh, she's very good and they pair so, so well together. There is this weird little relationship between the two of them, like a big brother and a sister and, you know very, very, like, it's just, it's just like, like they were born together or something. But it's, it's like, you can see Luella respecting a lot of Frank, but not treating him like some kind of, you're higher up than me or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, they're supposed to be partner at a small, they have a small private investigation firm. Okay. But, but Frank was the one who started the whole thing and, the way the show starts is that Luella hires Frank and then she did, like, have the job and asked him, like, look, man, you know, I I have a salon and I was thinking about selling it and moving away, but you, your firm needs some money, so teach me how to do this work and, you know, let's become partner. And all of us distract this, this friendship, you know, I'm not, I don't want to compare it to anything, but it's sort of like the way things happen between you and me. <laughs> you know, I mean, like we we met each other, we we just hit it off, and all of a sudden, we we have a podcast together in like three months after meeting each other. You know, and, We're partners and in crime.
1: Are. When you yeah, are describing it, I was like, boy, this sounds familiar. So. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm telling you, there's four episodes are now on the fourth season in, no, actually six now, because they're throwing them out by two episodes. Okay. So I already watched four. Last night I watched the fifth episode, and there's one epi- episode left to watch. So yeah, Shakespeare and Hathaway is a very, and here's another thing that I love about it, is that the show takes place in actually Stratford-upon-Avon, which is, the hometown of Shakespeare. And of course, it's still a very idyllic little town. Everybody, everybody in Stratford Upon Haven is a, an aspiring actor of some kind. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and there's a lot of weird references to the Bard, of course. And you see those little tours, people visiting uh, yeah. Stratford Upon Haven and it's just it's just beautiful, beautiful. Everything everything about this show is beautiful. So, uh, my binge watch for the week has been Shakespeare and Hathaway, and I'm 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 glad it's back.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good segue to what we're talking about because it's on BritBox, and what we're talking about is on BritBox yes.
0: as well. Yeah, I've been I've been doing the BritBox lately, man. Like, yeah. I'm I'm on season nine, going from down from up to down, I should say. To, of uh, would I lie to you? <laughs> okay. I'm in 20. I'm in 2015 now. <laughs> okay. of, of would I lie to you? That's all, like okay. I, I, I keep watching, man. I love these shows.
1: I have to ask you: um, Are you excited about the return of Orphan Black?
0: I didn't know Orphan Black is coming back.
1: Yes, Orphan Black is coming back. You,
0: but like, didn't the show end? Uh,
1: they've apparently decided to continue the story
0: yo i i don't know how but. i have to tell christine about this yeah you know you, you know my wife falls asleep like at about 9 p.m on the couch right yes yet often black is the only show that i've seen my wife literally stay up and binge watch for an entire night into the next morning <laughs> and it, she went she went through an entire season and i'm like huh Look who's a binge-watcher, though. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, that's beautiful. So, same cast, Tatiana Maslany.
1: They haven't released that part yet. They haven't released that. They're just saying it's going to be coming back in 2023, and it has been picked up by uh, AMC co-production with BBC.
0: Oh, it's music to my ears, George. Music to my ears, <laughs> and by the way, I have a tendency to do that. Like when I sh- when I know that a show is ending, I don't watch the last season. I just like put it off.
1: I know that you haven't watched the last season of it, so it might it <laughs> so, might be time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I have to do that. <laughs> I have to do that. Excellent stuff, Jojo. So let's move on then to the show we are addressing today. It is a three episode miniseries, isn't it? Yes. Written and directed by none other than the fantastic, fabulous, greatest man of all, (laughs) Hugh Laurie, Uh, an adaptation of Agatha Christie. Um, Remind me, Jojo, was there ever a Miss Marple episode of Why Didn't They Ask, Evan?
1: I think that there was, you mean an adaptation? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think they did one in 20. They kind of like rolled the story into one of like bastardized two stories and put them together. I think it was in the 2011 series of Miss Marple. Okay. Or
0: Marple. I'm not sure if it was Miss Marple or just Marple. Miss Marple or Marple. Yeah. With the the other lady that nobody seemed to like. Yeah, she she just didn't do it. Miss I but yeah. Yeah. She's not gonna, she's never, nobody's ever gonna beat John Hickson. May no. she rest in peace. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, again, so this is one of those Agatha Christie stories. So, you know what you should get mm-hmm. uh, because Christie is an icon with her own pen in yeah. terms of what she writes, how she writes it, and the twists and turns of the stories she writes. However, this adaptation by Hugh Laurie is absolutely fantastic. And there's a few things that I picked up here that I'm going to be expounding about a bit. But before we get there, Jojo, Mm -hmm. I have to ask you once, what do you think of it? And two, um, what can you tell us about it? Let's start with what did you think of it? What did I think of
1: it? I, I agree with you. I think this is a great adaptation of it. I, as you said, there was one that was rolled into a, a Marple episode, I don't think it really gave justice to the particular story. And I think there was another adaptation in the 80s, which was fine. But Hugh Laurie's added some fun little bits to this that I think make the story more interesting. Added without changing the basic plot, so if you've read the book, you're not going to be like, "Oh, I'm so offended. That's not how that <laughs> happened," or whatever. I think he's honestly, I think he's made it better. The changes that he's made. Uh, so yeah, I'm 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 a big fan of this one. So why didn't they ask Evans? Is based on the novel of the same name of course written by Agatha Christie who is arguably the inventor you could say of the modern detective novel in the sense of modern british detective novel i think she invented a lot of what we now think of as tropes and uh and uh you know just recursive things but when you realize that she's the OG and she invented it, then it's kind of like you need to understand your history. But anyway, so why didn't they ask Evans is about a a young man who, uh, is back from, I believe in the novel it's world war one. And, uh, he's kind of a, uh, how would you say, a man of uh, all, all jobs, odd jobs. Yeah. Kind of
0: like, uh, Jack of all trades.
1: Jack of all trades. There you go. That's exactly what I was trying to think of. Jack of all trades. Yeah. And he's kind of not quite knowing what he wants to do with himself having survived the war and, you know, having lost folks. And his father is a vicar in the church. And so he, he takes a job as a as a caddy, the local golf course. And during one of the rounds with a good friend of his, who is also a doctor, they discover that... Off the cliff of the golf course, uh, uh, they've discovered an accident. Someone's, what looks to be an accident, someone's gone over the cliff. A person has fallen over the cliff or been pushed over the cliff. There's, it's really unclear. So the younger of the two, the young man, runs down to try to see if they can do anything to help, does discover that he's still alive. The other gentleman goes for help. Unfortunately, the man that they find at the edge of the cliff does does die. But his last words are, why didn't they ask Evans? And our, our young hero, Bobby is just sort of bewildered by that and, and thought of, of all the strange things. Why would a question like that be your last words? And uh, he kind of feels like it's a baton has been passed to him that there's something out there in the world that he needs to discover. And, uh, you know, there's a mystery that he needs to, to find out. So he kind of involves himself in the inquiry to the death of this man and discovers a whole lot of things going on in the background and shenanigans and and mystery and, and, and bad stuff. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This, this story takes us, you know, through a lot of twists and turns again. Because whenever you thought, here it is, this is what happened. Well, it's not quite what happened. There's another twist. Yeah. there's something else. you know, and the bad guys don't look quite as the bad guys. the 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 benevolent ones are the ones you have to watch out for. It is the classic mm-hmm. Agatha Christie story in the sense that people who who do bad things know exactly what to look like in the eyes of others.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Agatha doesn't go as far back as to tell you, well, nobody was born bad and, you know, people transform along the way or whatever. That's not what she's trying to tell you, but rather, you know, there's more than meets the eyes. And when, you know, that feeling of, we've we've talked about this before, where we watch detective shows that, once they find somebody they don't like, they they kind of like lock in on this person, and they they damn well want to pin that murder on that person because that's the person from the very beginning that they didn't like the smell of him or some shit. Agatha yeah. that sort of like pushes you to look further, and 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 go further back or go further ahead wherever you need to go. But there's gotta be someone else that needs to be looked at that is not the most obvious of the of of the suspects in that that's the key here and i think the greatest thing that that hugh laurie does with this one is that he doesn't let that element fade away if anything he enriches it enriches it what do you think
1: agreed agreed yeah he um yeah, as you said, with Christy, it's 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 never going to, well, maybe not never, but it's not typically going to be the most obvious person. And as you said, her characters are, none of her characters are all good or all bad, which I think is fantastic. And I think, especially for when her books were written, you know, she started writing in the 20s, the 1920s, 100 years ago. I think that that's even more remarkable. Because I think that, and this is just my opinion, but I feel like things in that time, especially that kind of novel was written with a much broader brush in the sense of good and bad, black and white, that kind of thing. So, you know, the young virginal female was always going to be the good one um, in a novel. And, you know, the, the soldier was always going to be the fine upstanding young man and, and yeah. fix everything. But that's not typically... The, the case in a Christie novel, you will find very bad people or people who have done, I should say, very bad things, but they're wearing the mantle of, you know, a good person, a doctor, a priest, uh, a vicar, uh, a, yeah. a uh, you know, fine, upstanding young man. Yes. So so Christie, Christie understood, much like Miss Marple, <laughs> she understood human nature and the fact that uh, even though statistically it may be the the husband that kills the wife, uh, you know, statistically that's right. probably going to do but that doesn't mean that that's who did it one hundred percent
0: of the time. Yes, yes, and and I'm glad that you you talk you talk about the characters by themselves, right? Because one of the things that I, I realize, and I think maybe no one, well, I don't know if. If if there's a lot of people that pay attention to it, because in in the time of Agatha Christie, until not too long ago, women were like, well, you we'll get married and now you become the property of your husband. But Agatha always made her stories female centered, and if there was a hero, if the female was not, the woman was not outright, outright the hero she shared the credits of the heroism with a male. And that is the case in pretty much, pretty much every, like, that's, that's a standard, but more than a standard. It's, it's a tendency within Agatha Christie's stories. And the reason I say that is because Will, who, I'm saying Will, <laughs> no, Will, Bobby, who is a world war one hero he is preoccupied pretty much with moving on with his life and finding his north Mm -hmm. and of course he had his best friend at the time who had convinced him let's go into business together this is what we are going to do this is how our the horizon that we are we are going to to aim for and even though he did the right thing by standing guard next to a, a dying man and lend a hand. Even though he was intrigued by those last words, it was Frankie who actually sort of like incited him to, to look further into it. Because Frankie yes. herself had that detective instinct. She, yes. she read the news and she immediately smelled that something wasn't quite right. <laughs> You know, but obviously, a young woman in the 1930s is not going to just go gallivanting around and asking questions. So, you're going to need to partner with, you know, your what what seems to be your best friend from childhood, isn't it? And so, much of the work here, I want to say, is done by Frankie. And I think Lucy Boynton, who uh, plays Frankie is is one of those that man whoever did the job casting her should give them give them give them a, a, an award for that because she was <laughs> great she was fantastic here yeah.
1: she really really is i feel i felt like she really captured the the I, I don't know the sort of feistiness of women of that era the you know world war 1 has just happened and this is kind of the first generation of women who were allowed to (laughs) do it for themselves in the sense of most of the men were dead. So, you know, okay, I get to step up and and do this role and I'm, I'm quote unquote allowed to, you know, you hate to say that, but that's the way it was and kind of still is. And the, the sort of feistiness and the, um, No, I, I, I know now that I'm just as smart, if not smarter than you. And also I'm, I'm going to say that. So (laughs) if you don't like it, I don't care. So, (laughs) so yeah, I think that she, she captured that very well. Um, Sometimes I think that there are actresses who, who play someone of that era and they hit it a bit harsh. In my opinion, yeah. a little bit, just a little bit too much, because there's there's still going to be a level of, of un, of of sort of like un, instability because instability because you're not quite
0: sure this is a whole new world, right? And and it's a question of knowing it's a question of knowing which battles you should fight, yes. which I think is what yes. what Lady Frances or Frankie does here very 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 well.
1: Yes, so brilliant writing on 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 Christie's and and Hugh Laurie's part, and uh, beautifully portrayed by by Lucy uh, Boynton. I agree.
0: Yeah, the story in itself gets complicated the more the more the investigation goes on, because if it was left alone, it was a pretty much clear cut accidental death, and. A couple of fishy people came and claimed the body, went away, and there it is. But mm-hmm. the smart writing of Agatha makes you, I mean, leaves something, leaves a, a little crumb here for you to, well, it's it's on you now. Like, how, how do you not go and try to find out when the last words of a dying man is actually a question, right? Because most of the time, and, and I think, Bobby Jones says that, like, a dying person would tell them I love them. You know, say something to my wife or, you know, tell my parents something or I did this or a confession of some kind or whatever.
1: Either the curtains go or I do.
0: You know what I mean? <laughs> but, but to just open and to ask to a complete stranger, why did this not happen? It's basically telling this stranger, yeah, I'm gonna die, but I need you to find this out for me. <laughs> yeah. you know. So yeah. this is why this story is is I, I, I don't know that whether or not it's a very well-known, well, not known, but like dramatized, mm-hmm. one of the most dramatized stories of uh, of Agatha like Christie, obviously. I, murdering, yeah. murdering the Orient Express and shit. It's like, whoa, that's, that, you know.
1: right. Every, everybody knows that one murder of Roger Ackroyd. And, yeah. and, but yeah, I don't know that why they ask Evans is a particularly popular one to adapt and, uh, and portray. So I, I, you know, good on you Lori for deciding to, to pick this one because it, it is a fantastic one. I mean, she did write some novels that were a little on the weak side, but this one, this one is a good one, and I don't know why it wasn't chosen more often for um, adaptation, but, but you know, Hugh Laurie's a genius, so.
0: Yeah, and and if you didn't know it was Hugh Laurie, there's a reason for you to, even if you didn't know, but there's a detail that happens here that if you know it, you will know that somehow Hugh is involved, not because he actually acted and directed in it, but it is because there's this weird pact between Hugh Laurie and Emma Thompson. <laughs> Even if you didn't see Hugh Laurie, but Emma Thompson isn't it. Right? And the there's a there's a three amigos trio in British acting that is composed of two dudes and a woman. And it's Emma Thompson, Stephen Fry, and Hugh Laurie. So these people are always involved in each other's project, no matter what. And I love the fact that Emma Thompson had about four minutes on screen, and she acted the fucking shit out of it. And I was like, <laughs> this lady is way too good, man. Like, seriously.
1: I know. I know. I love her so much. Yes. I mean, I don't know how you couldn't. But I, I also love the friendship yeah. between herself and Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry, and this is something that they cultivated in school, yep. and you know that they they they've kept in touch. And Stephen Fry is the one that saved the Sense and Sensibility script when Emma Thompson lost it on her um on her on her Mac in the early days. She was writing it and it just went completely away. And everybody told her, "Oh, it's it's gone. We've lost it." And she called Stephen Fry and he was like, eh, "I can get it back for you," <laughs> and he <laughs> and he did. And so, you know, it's just uh, these three people who have each other's backs, not just in, you know, we'll, we'll play parts in each other's movies, but even when they're writing and they're in their, when she lost her script on her computer, when they're, you know, it's, they feel, it feels like they are constantly probably texting or chatting yeah, being like, you know, Hey Steven, how are you doing today? And you know,
0: and Q, what's. The, the thing is like, also th- this is the type of friendship that, that like takes you into being family because yes all of the, all, uh, Stephen Fry is the godfather to all of you Lori's children yes <laughs> that's a that's a bond like I don't know if that exists in in, in America cuz America is not that much of a catholic country it's more of a protestant country but in America you know how like a lot of people use the term you hear a lot of people use the term compadre as if it was like oh, here's you and your compadre, uh, as in your comrades or your friend. But compadre, comadre, uh, compère, comère in French, compadre, comadre in Spanish, that's not exactly what it stands for. uh, Your compadre, like or co-father in this sense, is the person who you designate to be the godparent to your child. And that is like a brotherhood or a siblinghood, I should say, that is incredibly unbreakable, right? The uh, Rafael, for instance, my best friend in the Dominican Republic. What 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 is the the, the the biggest bond between us is the fact that Christine and I are the godparent to Hiroshi, his his son. And and that's like even legally, if something were to happen to Raphael, no judge is going to oppose Christine and I standing in for and taking in the child because that's it—you're the godparents, you know. So, but it's it's it has a more a larger connotation in in the in the world of Catholics than anywhere else, and I don't know if to them it has that religious relevance, but I do know that uh, Fry. Is the godfather to to Huller's, uh children, and and I'm I'm sure, of course, that is, you know, that is that cements that friendship for, for more than than what one would imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They're they're definitely more than just I don't know comedic partners or, or whatever, you know, uh, you know, there's a show, a bit of Fry and Laurie yeah. that was so fantastic for, and I, that's also available in BritBox, I believe. At the end. And, but there's more there than just, and I don't hate hate to say just because, you know, finding someone that you can create such fantastic comedy with is unbelievable in itself. But there's more there than than being colleagues there or their family.
0: And, you know, the most beautiful thing about their friendship to me, and, and I know that we're kind of like deviating from talking about the series, but the most, it's what we do. the most beautiful thing about their friendship to me is the fact that it doesn't seem like there's ever been any professional jealousy among them, right? Like Stephen Fry is, by all accounts, one of the smartest men in Britain, period. Like he's been known to be that dude, right? And frankly, I'm actually surprised that at this point he's not Sir Stephen Fry. True, (laughs) true,
1: true, that's a good point.
0: But it is possible that he's never been interested in knighthood or whatever, so... Uh, you know, and in Hugh Laurie, we all know his accom- his accomplishments. But Hugh Laurie has has this under the radar personality that I don't think he's he's ever agreed to live in Hollywood or whatever. Like he comes here, does his work, and goes <laughs> fuck out. You know what I mean? Like yes, I, yes. I, I love these three people. It's just it's just yes. a fantastic thing. You know.
1: And he's, he's kind of a multifaceted, but so quiet about it because yes. he, he's, he's a composer yeah. and, you know, a, a very talented musician hmm. and has several jazz albums yeah. out there. And he's a writer. He's written some fantastic books. I highly recommend The Gun Seller* if you haven't read it or if anybody else hasn't read it. It's fantastic. So, and obviously he's adapted screenplays and he's an actor and a comedian. And so, I mean, I feel like Stephen Fry might be a little bit more flamboyant just in the sense of like, he talks more about what he does and, and his talent and things like that, which is perfectly fine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. That's, that's great. But Hugh Laurie, I think is sort of like the, the very ideal British Britishman, if you will, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that like, like really humble and quiet and be like, oh, yeah, I, I won the Nobel Prize. You what? <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. No. It's, it's, and I'm sitting here
0: having a coffee it's, with you. you
1: know? it's, in, it's in the cupboard. It's fine. Don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, Stephen, the, f- so you can have a conversation with Hugh Laurie about anything you want, and he'll keep it. The level that you're speaking, Stephen will literally espouse a fucking thesis about about why this paper is pink. Do you know what I mean? And yes. and ju- he's just that guy. Like, he, <laughs> I remember he participated on an episode of Wait Wait Don't Tell Me, right? And he was asked why he only did the voice the reading for the books of harry potter's for britain and then some dude from the us and canada had to, had to do the american version and you would have thought all he was going to say was well there's some copyright laws that man he went into the entire history of copyrights and why and and that, by the way that took about 3 minutes but, like, by the time he finished, you had a comprehensive understanding of where all of that came from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the, in, the host of the show was like, um, yeah, sorry I asked. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Peter Segal, by the way, yeah, that's the, the host of... <laughs> we, we did, like, Peter Segal was like, yeah, uh, I only asked... You could have answered because it's not permitted in America, but you know, sorry, it, it was a joke. But you know, I'm pretty sure that you know, it was funny. It was funny. So let's talk about the cast here, Jojo. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a this is a perfect Hugh Laurie cast. Some yeah. not very well known people, but who are fucking good at what they do,
1: is yes. it? Yes, yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. So Will Poulter, we've talked about Will Poulter as recently as when we talked about uh, Dopesick. Yes. Um, he he. And I, I think that's the that's when I told you that I had never seen Will Poulter before uh, playing a, a British character, like <laughs> you know, and then well there you are. I think wasn't he in uh what was, what was that show he that movie, the Chronicles of Narnia. He was
1: in that,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, like at the time, I, I didn't seem to ever remember him in in anything that was like an entire British production. This this was it. And Will Poulter, I don't know. Can we call him a rising star, or do you do, do you think of him already as a as a as a, as a pretty well known star in its own in his own?
1: Personally, I call him a rising star because I don't really feel like he's very well known. I'm sure he has a, a very loyal fan base, but I don't feel like there's, I could probably say, you know, Will Poulter to someone born in 1993 to the average person, because that's when he was born mm-hmm. to the average person that age. And they would be like, who? <laughs> <laughs> or they might be like, you know, oh, that guy from, from, um uh the maze runner so i i don't know but i i i, I think he's definitely coming into his own yeah. and maturing and i hope that this particular uh series just adds to his career because i think that he watching him in this to me was very interesting watching his progression as an actor was interesting to me i think that he was really good in this so
0: yeah so, what do you think? BAFTA nomination? No, right? Yeah? Probably not. I don't, yeah, probably not. <laughs> All right. Well, Lucy Boynton, on the other hand, she is, I think, the biggest anything we've seen her was on Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. With Rami Malek. But she's uh, she's got a leg on on each side of the aisle. She's half American, half British. So... But like I said, I'm I'm very glad that she was cast for this because she was really, really good. Whenever an actor makes you feel like no one else could have done this job, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's, it's like this, like, whenever I'm watching something and I see a character, I'm always thinking, who could have done this? Who else could have played this character? I'm always thinking about that. And when I come to uh, one particular character that I'm like, This person is so good that I don't know that I want to even spend time thinking about who else could have played it. That does it for me right there. Yeah. There are a couple of people that I recognize from regular British TV. You know, uh, Miles Jupp, who is actually a comedian. He played Henry Bassington French (laughs) with two little Fs.
1: Two little f's <laughs> for French,
0: for <laughs> French, for French, as in Jeff. <laughs> 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 so so Miles' job was like, oh, that's Miles' job, you know, because this is a dude that you typically will see on, you know, uh, QI as a panelist yeah. or on Would I Lie to You or on Eight Out of Ten Cats something you know and then he's he's acting serious and a pretty convincing person with a mental issue too you know
1: yeah yeah i i agree it was kind of like a oh it's 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 the guy from the you know the, it was it was it was funny to see him acting uh seriously i'm not going to say jarring because that's not the right word but it was just kind of like oh it's going to be a a lot more light-hearted character and then he obviously was not a lighthearted character that he played, and I, I think he did a great job. Yes.
0: Jonathan Jules, his character for me was interesting in, in many ways because I don't know that, I, I've read the book, but I don't know if he is the product entirely of, of Agatha Christie, the character of Knocker Beedon, as a not only a black man but from, from Jamaica. But it was like, yeah, this is good. <laughs> this is really, really, really good and refreshing. And I mean, we know that given the fact that at the time of both wars, Jamaica was part of the of the British Empire, under the British um, uh, Empire. So it's, it's no secret that Jamaicans served as part of British battalions in, in the wars. But this was... This was a cool one and he played it cool it wasn't an exaggerated version of a man from the caribbean he was pretty much an englishman <laughs> to a certain extent except when he spoke and, and uh, like i said a lot of actors even when they are of caribbean descent when they play a caribbean role in some movies it sounds a little too much a little jarring a little too exaggerated
1: i wonder if that's a directing choice in the sense of oh i need you to be more jamaican
0: right right but yeah uh jonathan jules was fantastic here and i love his his chemistry with the gang with uh, lucy boynton and will poulter yeah paul whitehouse played ask you the dude at the at that inn was it an inn or or hotel like, what was it <laughs>
1: an inn i think angler's arms right
0: yeah yes, yes. yeah so
1: That's right i don't know what the i don't know what those are called and i know that they're they're like in a lot of british novels of the era but you would get your food and your drink and you would also stay there i don't know i guess an inn yeah here they'd be a bed and breakfast
0: yeah I'm sorry okay. <laughs> Nicholas Ashbury was fucking scary every time he was on camera. That creepy dude, man. He had like a violence in his eyes. And it it, it was when he fought, when he fought, what's his name, Knocker, Mm -hmm. he was, he did it with anger. Like Mm -hmm. a lot, a lot of violence. And these are the kind of like shit that Nicholas Ashbury does. You know, like, like, like he wants to bite your ear off or some shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Come a little little bit closer so I can not whisper in your
0: ear but bite it off. Yeah, and he does these things like, you know, he does like, like important characters, you know, but. When he plays like a goon or a thug, he's like, I don't think I like this guy anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's scary.
0: Help me. Yeah, he's scary as hell. Benedict Wolfe was in there as Harry Singh. What a beautiful voice. He's such a giant, big teddy bear. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love him. Yeah. Yeah. I love him. Gorgeous voice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he's he's like a, a beautiful big man too. Like he has Yes. He has this this presence.
1: Presence and grace yeah. and grandeur and
0: yes, yes. Yeah, like in somebody born to play like a king or some shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. playing in the role of her servant by all account, he it, there was a, a regalness to him. Like
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: I, I, I love Benedict Wolfman. He's, 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 yeah. he's a fantastic actor. And he's blessed with a presence and a voice that will, you know, if you want somebody to play God and Morgan Freeman is not available, then there's your guy.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, so what else? What did you think of this movie? Uh, Amy Nuttall, fantastic American accent, if you ask me. You know?
1: Yes, yes. A lot of those I find jarring yeah. uh, in, in the in British series. For some reason, I feel like the fake American accent against a British accent sounds even, a natu- against a natural British accent sounds even worse than if it was amongst Americans. I don't quite know how to s- explain that. But, but yes, lovely. I yeah. think she did a good job.
0: I mean, and, and if you think about the fact that Eminoto is origin from Manchester, so... It is sure. a hard it's time. It's a, it's, a, it's a, you know, yeah. a very knockabout yeah. accent from Manchester. And I'm yeah. not saying that she speaks like a, she speaks Manchurian in her regular life, but where you're born and raised has, of course, a huge influence mm-hmm. in in you for the rest of your life, even when you are trained in other accents and things like that. So, so it's just like, even when you are making, doing another accent, there's always a, w- a way for your original accent to sort of like bleed into like, in- into what you're saying. Do you know what I mean? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Anyway, yep. um,
0: so this is a fantastic uh, little mini series if you want to call it, or limited series And uh, we recommend it very much because it's the combination, Agatha Christie and Hugh Laurie is a fantastic thing to see.
1: Yep. Brilliantly done. And, uh, available on Britbox. Yes.
0: We recommend very much. Yes. But we're going to call it a day for today, but if you made it to the end, thank you very much for that. And, uh, you can find me and uh, Jojo on Instagram. Uh, you, you can find Kicking and Swimming podcast also on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Jojo, you will find her on Instagram as... KNS co-host. KNS co-host. And with me, it's always Mr. Buchetta. That's M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. And for me, for Jojo, for now, we are going to call you a day.
1: Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you have found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.